if you understand the structure of the skeleton, you're going to be good at zombies, you're going to be good at creatures, you're going to be good at animals, because everything's the same basic structure. You've got your skull, spine, ribcage, pelvis, limbs hanging off them, basically. And if you understand those structures, if you're making something up, it's going to be so much more believable if you know those shapes really well. <laughs> We are in the car on our way to go have a chat with Amelia Rowcroft, an amazing sculptor, human being. Yeah, she's, uh, you check her out on Instagram, uh, Amelia Rowcroft Sculpture is her handle. And um, it's interesting because I've been looking at her work for a while. And although I don't sculpt portraits, I was thinking about like the, the pure essence of sculpting versus like sculpting prosthetics. Because when you sculpt a prosthetic, which is typically something I will sculpt, you've already got the life cast. So the, yeah. the lion's share of what you have to achieve is kind of there. You're just altering it slightly. But when you start from nothing, when you start from an armature. Full head. Not, yeah, or full a, body, a cheap you know. Piece or, a, or a nose. No, but she, she you knows she'll do full bodies and stuff. She worked at two swords and stuff, so she's very, very skilled at that. I think there's a lot in that that will be very useful for people looking to sculpt prosthetics. So I'm looking forward to being schooled and shamed <laughs> as we go into a workshop and see the amazing stuff that's there. But um, this will be hopefully nice. Hopefully, gain some some valuable tips on how to make our sculpture better. I hope so. Uh, certainly for me. I am far from where I would like to be as a sculptor. Just got to keep working on it. I mean, one thing I thought was interesting was talking, we were just talking there. That's what we suddenly thought, oh, we should record this because we, we had these conversations and then forget to record any. <laughs> but the, um, the idea of like caricature, like, you know, if you can see a caricature of somebody, if it's a bad caricature, that that's at the point where you're presented with well, what is it that makes a caricature good? Because you could have five different artists do a caricature of someone well known, and you would recognise it, but they're all different. So what is the essence of it? And there's something in that I think with you were saying like with regards to lightness sculptures, that's different because it's not just a mechanical measuring and transposing of measurements. There's also an element of uh, artistic flair and yeah, I've, you know, perfect example is. Malcolm McDowell's performance as Alex in A Clockwork Orange, he's got this little smirk that can't come from, well, I mean, probably to, to some extent it does, but yeah. that's not just a mechanical measurement. No, that's a good one. I think we should come up with a slightly more up-to-date reference for our younger listeners. <laughs> I'm a big Malcolm McDowell Fair fan. Enough. Fair enough. <laughs> like, if you were trying to get the charm across of, like, I don't know, Channing Tatum or something, which yeah. is actually a head that Amelia has sculpted. Um, you know, there's a certain look, there's a certain edge, and or I think that's the beauty Chris of... Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, yes, exactly. That, what is it that makes Chris Pratt recognizable from Chris Pine? Yeah, but what I find interesting about sculpture versus saying just scanning somebody is it's not just about rendering an object realistically, it's what you bring to it. What is it that you change? What are you emphasizing or what are you, you know, subverting? in your decisions when you're making something and that's very important I think with, with a makeup effect if you're trying to do something you're trying to emphasize some things and subdue others or subvert others so they're not obvious um, and it's that those decisions I think is what makes it a creative act rather than just being 
you know, an inefficient scanner. Because a scanner can scan someone and go, oh, I know who that is. But but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the act of rendering something from nothing to a realistic finished form that is recognisable to other people. Well, you also mentioned caricatures, which uh, you know, I've seen some magnificent caricatures, and I've seen some some horrible caricatures that you know, that doesn't look remotely like the person you're, you're drawing. But a caricature is taking an ali- a likeness and exaggerating it's working from those features of that person that are do make that person that person and exaggerating them you know, like making a, a more elongated forehead or a you know, bigger jawline whatever yeah. it is that makes them them and emphasizing it overemphasizing it mm-hmm. and it's still recognizable as that likeness yeah cool well I'm looking forward to it stay tuned We'll be back in a sec. So let me just check your microphone level. What your microphone testing? I'm I'm number one. So Amelia's number, number two. two. You're number two. What do you have for breakfast? Uh, I had some toast and marmite. Perfect. That sounds good. See marmite. <laughs> ding, ding, the marmite ding. thing. Uh, we were yeah, staying at this hotel. I'm, this is never going to go away, is it? No. We, he had, a, he had a, 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 like a blueberry muffin, and yeah. you had a sachet of Marmite. And, yeah, I, and thought, I, I wasn't paying any attention. I thought I just picked up a little thing of butter, and I was <laughs> reaching and started smearing it on there. I wasn't, wasn't even looking at it. And I, and Stuart, I, I, but I see Stuart's face, and his eyes just go huge. <laughs> no, it's like... No. Not because I was trying to save you, because I thought you were doing some hideous, uh, like anti-English. Like, no, we don't put marmite with well, sweet things. Well, I was, and I'm <laughs> thank you. And, you know, I'm thanking you for saving my life. I didn't realize you didn't know. I thought it was some horrible, like when you put like. No, I thought I, I thought I was together. just smearing so, butter on there. I said, "Why? Why are you <laughs> lunging out?" That yeah, it was like tar. <laughs> Because you know, if you don't if you don't know what mama is, it's quite a shock. Oh no! I had an American boyfriend once, and he came over, and he'd never seen marmite, and he said, "Oh, what's what's it like?" I said, "It's really nice." He put it oh, all okay. over his toast, but he thought it was like a chocolate spread. I can see how it would be nice on some <laughs> things. Who was Horrified. who was it that said it was great on roast potatoes? It's lovely walking around. This is what you don't get, I think. With with ZBrush, so you don't get to see the things that you've made around no, you, no. <laughs> the artifacts no, of, and, of sculpt. And to print all this stuff out would take millennia. Yeah. Do you not print out everything that you make then? No, a lot of well, most the of what I'm doing in ZBrush are just mm. learning learning exercises that nobody wants to to, to memorialize physically. Yeah. <laughs> and normally, I'm just pressing. I'm just trying to make things happen and see where I go wrong. So I'm not happy with what I've done. See how long it takes him to get angry. Yeah, it doesn't take long. <laughs> long doesn't it do? I will get past that. It's and, my I'll, thing. and I'll bet you will, at some point during this conversation, will it will crop up as why can't the sub tool you selected be more obvious? Well, I think the thing about that is because you become so distracted by what ZBrush is, you're not thinking about sculpture at all. Whereas there's none of that in clay. I don't mm-hmm. think it's yeah. just a very direct. No, it's medium. always obvious what tool you've selected. Yeah. Whereas with, you know, clay, it's just that hand. What I will say about ZBrush, I think, is very good for sculpting, is that you you are forced to worry about primary form and position and things early because you can't sculpt detail on something that's only got 100 polygons on it. Right. So that's quite nice. That's quite nice. And you can skip between the lower resolution, the higher resolution while you're sculpting. Whereas with clay, it it is always Mm -hmm. at full resolution. 
but it's still sculpting really and that's the thing I think that's important and what I have seen when I've seen visual effects people who are, who are familiar with the software but they're not sculptors do you know what I mean you can mm. kind of see there's no that's a huge generalization there's, there's no, well, do you know what I mean there's no foundation there because yeah. you, know, you, you can get into ZBrush without ever having any work with, in, a, in any kind of physical medium whether it's Play-Doh as a kid or Sculpey or you know any of the polymer clays mm. or water clay or whack, you know, the or monster clay, yeah, um, and and get great results. But I think having had experience with a real physical medium is going to make you a better sculptor digitally. Mm. Oh, and you have symmetry, so you sculpt <clears throat> one side, your good oh, side, hands yeah. Side sculpts, yeah, and that that's that's a a bit of a no-no with sculpture, isn't it? the whole point is to be able to. Yeah, <laughs> but then you get you know angles and stuff. Suddenly, there's no symmetry now. Cause Great for doing handed stuff though. Like when mm. I do films, you would have to do one sculpt and then the mirror image. Yeah. So I guess now they just that, yeah. That's that yeah. I think is the inevitability of it because especially for productions because it's efficient. Especially if you're a practice, you know, a well experienced practitioner, the the efficiencies of it are a no brainer. So it's going to become prevalent in film mm. and TV. But I'd like to make it more part of my practice. But it also has hard edge modeling a- aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Like That's really, modeler. really good to get machined, a feel of, of machined edge. Mm. So if you're making guns hard or weapons or you're doing a cyborg or something that's Space part human part, you know, yeah. you can do it all in ZBrush. But I'm not qualified enough to, to comment. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm barely competent doing organic things, let alone hard surface modeling. That's... yeah. You know, I'll be patient. That's coming later. So we want to talk about sculpture. Yeah, and you know, and we are here with Amelia Rowcroft in her fabulous studio. It is glorious. I'm just looking at all the things that are around. So we had a look at your um, your foundation sculpture. Yeah, thank you so much for letting us oh. have a little look around. at that. It's really, really cool. We'll put links to that in the um, in the podcast description so people can check that out and it's weird because we were saying about something that we had mentioned before and i'd forgotten but that we'd both gone to wimbledon yep. school of art as it was then i think it's college of art now yeah i think i think it's part of the university of london umbrella. yes there's like a yeah, whole association yeah. of colleges and uh, our, our slightly different experience of things because when i was at that college a tutor my bow charlton yeah. and she took us through life so we did the first year was a lot of life drawing and things and then I think in the end of the first year we did a, a head portrait mm. of a girl called Camille or Camilla, I can't remember which. And that was just in clay. Then we molded it in plaster and we made a plaster positive out of it. So it was a waste mold. And then we did the same thing again with a guy, I can't remember his name, but it was a full size naked figure. Yeah. And I remember very distinctly things happening in my brain where I was like, oh, the shoulder becomes the arm, becomes the elbow. There isn't like a one thing becomes the next. And you were having to deal with the mechanics of the armature and then the surface. And they were different things. So there was a point where you had to be very clinical and measury and making sure. And then there's a point where you kind of, you can't lean on that. You've now got to start making decisions, which are sort of things you can't measure. Like maybe this cheek's a bit baggier than that one. And that's not something that Calip is necessarily going to tell you or something. But yeah, that's where your eye comes in. Yeah. <laughs> So how did you get started with sculpture? What was your... Well, so I also went to Wimbledon. I was three years behind you, I think. So I was 98, I graduated. Um, But yeah, by that time, I think Val was leaving and we ended up just copying a life cast, which was kind of frustrating because it's not the same as sculpting a real person. Um, 
and then we did sculpt a big figure as well and I definitely loved it but I felt like I didn't feel equipped after that to then go on and know how to do it on my own or feel confident about it mm. so I ended up then working on films just doing kind of anything I could get you know like <laughs> kind of set dressing or props or poly bushing was working on film one of your goals yeah I always wanted to work on films but um but I got into more like the construction side of things rather than prosthetics and then I kind of just kept coming back to this thing of sculpting people is what I really wanted to do and I found out about this school called the Florence Academy of Art in Italy and I managed to get out there and I spent two years there which was amazing and it was just working from life all the time studying anatomy like doing really learning it properly and I just totally got the bug then I was just like all I want to do is sculpt people and then I, I managed to get in a Madame Tussauds and I worked there for quite a long time and I still used to do a bit of film work and that but then uh, since I've had my studio I just do wax portraits really. Do you have uh, a particular Italian sculptor that you think people should become familiar with? Please say Benini, please say <laughs> I was going to say Benini. Please say Benini. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, no, I, if you ever get to go to Bernini's the Borghese, do it. It's, he's like a god. Yeah. Yeah. That must be amazing. What a time if you wanted a sculpt to be there. It was absolutely brilliant. It's like the best thing I've ever done. I feel so lucky to have done it. And that is partly why I wanted to do the online courses because I felt like I've, I've been so fluky. Mm. You know, and what's the point of learning all this stuff if you're just going to keep it to yourself and not explain it to anybody else? And I'm not kind of a natural teacher. I get quite embarrassed standing up in front of people. But if you're just making a video with... I just do them with my husband Ben so he's filming and I'm talking and then I feel more comfortable to kind of mm-hmm. share everything that I've got going on in my head. They are beautifully <laughs> made and also they're, 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 they're structured in a very logical way. They're, they're little bite-sized lessons and they're not, you don't feel overwhelmed at any point because it's step by step by step and then there's a logical progression from next to the next to the next. Which is yeah, really we, were, good. We, were, we were going through some of, the, some of the introductory lessons last night together sitting at my laptop and the lesson would end and we just look at each other and go you know our mouths would just drop <laughs> yeah it's amazing oh it's really nice I, I, like they take absolutely ages I, I it's a real passion I just love thinking about the best way of conveying this information and I'm always just thinking like when I left college and I was like I love sculpting but I don't know how to do it on my own no I, I was living in shared houses and stuff and I try and sculpt something on a desk in my bedroom and just be like I don't really know what I'm doing and I just thought if if I could teach me then what what was it that I would have wanted to know and I just thought right we're going to do portrait figure anatomy really as simply put as possible just try and really get across the information clearly and actually make it so that you've you can do the project on your own at home so the head one you've got all the information you've got all the photos and measurements so you can actually sculpt our model same with the figure and with the anatomy one, there's loads of pictures of the models, so you can actually kind of like, what I recommend is you get some tracing paper, put it over the pictures and, you know, get your anatomy book and draw on the muscles and bones, and that's how you understand it. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's literally just the, the exercise of drawing it over and over and over again brings it into muscle memory. Yeah. So mm. that when you are now going to clay it doesn't even have to be like really detailed but if you just understand the main structure of you know 
if you understand the structure of the skeleton, you're going to be good at zombies, you're going to be good at creatures, you're going to be good at animals, because everything's the same basic structure. You've got your skull, spine, ribcage, pelvis, limbs hanging off them, basically. And if you mm. understand those structures, if you're making something up, it's going to be so much more believable if you know those shapes really well. Yes. And it's just in your head. Yes. And even with animals, we were talking about this up at Bolton, where, you know, about character design, everything <clears throat> still comes from a foundation of, yeah. of real anatomy, you know. Uh, to be able to rotate your your hand like this, and I'm, I'm rotating my hand side yeah. to side <laughs> for the benefit because, of because, the because there because there are two mus two bones at yeah. the bottom. The way the muscles insert at the at the bone ends are the same whether it's a fox, a cat, uh, a human, male, yeah. female, an ogre, a troll. Yeah. The movement's all going to be the same, even if, you know, the bones ultimately elongate, so you have a really long forearm. And yeah. It yeah. comes from that, that foundation of reality. It still has to yeah. feel yeah. authentic. I think that's where the, the confusion comes when you start sculpting, is because obviously you see the surface, but obviously the surface mm. is informed by what's underneath it. So you have to, like you say, understand it from that bones up yeah. to be able to render the surface and I think a lot of people starting out see the surface and they try and replicate without like you say knowing what's underneath and you, you kind of need to know yeah, that in order to do so it well it looks close but it's not mm. it's not there it's not yeah. real <clears throat> it's hard also to, to define specifically why something's wrong because you can spot something's wrong but you don't know why it's off mm. especially with makeups as well it's like is it the colour is it the shape it could be something you can't put your finger on um, and one of the things I really liked about your lessons where you were showing like how you measured like to the chin from here and it's like you know you go from the bone because that's a, a fixed thing that you can feel but obviously the chin extends out so there's that mechanical yeah. and it's going to be a little bit different because you're you're informed by your reference images you know because somebody that's if you're doing a skull or something that's morbidly obese there's going to be more tissue yeah past, but the skull's the same the so you still skull, need to know the skull is the same exactly yeah, yeah. I always find it really mad when you see, I've seen online, people sometimes sell these skulls for you to sculpt a likeness onto, and it's like, that makes no sense, because everyone's skull is a different shape. Yes, it's You're not you going to be like able to get a good likeness <laughs> sculpting onto some ready-made skull, like, that's never going to work. It's, it's like that movie Face Off, where mm. Nicolas Cage and John Travolta, hilariously the most two different shaped faces you could ever get from those different shaped skulls underneath just put their face over each other and just look like the other person yeah and love, i love the ludicrousness of that film you couldn't have cast two more wrong people yeah that's a really funny point actually <laughs> but from a sexy point of view like oh yeah but yeah, that's the no, thing isn't it it's if, if they had the if they had the same shaped face yeah, theoretically, more, more believable. It, it, it could be done, mm. but mm. when you know if somebody's but, got really close eyes and somebody's got really wide set eyes and yeah, mm. a really narrow face and a really yeah. wide face, yeah. mm. not going to work. Mm. Yeah, so yeah, there's that whole thing, and I remember as well with life drawing that there seemed to be those those two phases of, of drawing. One was like plotting; you'd measure and <coughs> use plumb lines, and and the shoulder is slightly above the hip, and by mm. how much and all that, depending obviously where you move, obviously it can change. But with a physical shape, it's the same. But so there's that not there's something quite nice about having the mechanics of, of plotting things and marking them. Yeah, and we, and we also have these wonderful built-in landmarks you know with the distance between yeah. the eyes and you know your fixtures that you know, the fixtures that are yeah. there that you know where the tragus is versus you know how the, it's all all these things that are fixed that yeah. you can tell if something's 
as, as a foundational point to, to start from. If, if those are right, then your chances for success improve. But if they're, they're not, then... Mm. Yeah. Amazing. It's just so many like, anatomical sort of facts or checkers that you can... Also, if you know them, it's just going to... If you're making something up, it's just so much easier to make it believable. Right. Like, you know, for instance, if you look at a skull from the side, the bottom of the skull will line up with the bottom of the cheekbones, will line up with the bottom of the nose. And, you know, it's easy to get those things wrong. Or, you know, the ear hole is halfway between the front and the back of the head. They're just easy checkpoints. And if you know them, then you're on the right track kind of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. I just, like, for me, like, when I learned anatomy, it was like, oh, my God. Because it sounds like, oh, really boring kind of subject. I just want to get on with the fun stuff of sculpting. But... When, when this stuff is in your brain, it actually makes the sculpting... You can just lose yourself in the sculpting easier because yeah. you know that your proportions are okay and, you know, you can cut to the fun bit quicker kind of thing. I think that's the thing. And watching you, like, block out that head, it, it reminded me, because I haven't sculpted a head since, like, Christ. A, a full head like that was probably at college. Because really? most of the stuff I do is prosthetics. Yeah. But it was that thing of, like, you start with an armature and it's, it's, it's a shape and you hope it's right. I mean, with a head, not so bad. But with a body, it's perfectly possible the elbow could be too far forward and you won't know till you've covered it in clay and you've got to <laughs> cut it and re-weld it back. But the, 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 the fact that you're able to sort of rely on these fixtures, like, right, first f- measure this, plot that, make that. And once you've got this kind of framework of, of, of sort of decisions, which are not opinions, they're factually correct, and you've got that board mm. with measurements on that you've mm. taken with calipers, then there's a sort of part of you, I guess, that's relieved of that now. Now you just need to check it, but now you're freed up a bit to exactly. just start making decisions. It saves time. But like when I was in Italy, they were really anti-measuring. Everything was by eye. Really? Yeah, which is really hardcore. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, we, we were, but it trains your eye to see more accurately. Taranti sell the calipers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's still like that now, but the guy that was running it when I was there, he's, right, right. he's moved on now, but wow. it was all, it was all just trying to so it's pure judgment yeah just judgment so yeah that's terrifying we were just fascinating over the when looking at bernini's stuff and Mm. and looking at some 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 of the intricate lace that was sculpted and yeah up the folds of the fat of lace fabric that goes up Mm. and it's like and this is subtractive sculpture. And it's like, I know. Like, yeah, but you know what's weird about that? I think that? he does it in, he used to do it in clay first, though, because um, I remember in one of the museums there, there was like, a, I don't know if you know the Rape of the Sabine, it's like mm-hmm. a famous three-figure uh, composition. But the, the clay, the plaster cast of the clay is in one of the museums, can't remember which one. So I think that he used to sculpt it and then measure off that to do the marble i think it's my understanding but i don't really know but still the whole the process of of creating that you know that's want to be able to time travel you know, oh, that's one of the things I, I would like to go back and be able to just be that unseen observer and do. watch that happen but weirdly that stuff doesn't get me as ex- i mean it's impressive to look at but i don't think i'd be interested in sculpting because I'm like you I think there's something about the person mm. maybe you know a, a cursory bit of clothing to acknowledge that they're wearing something but I'm not interested in rendering cloth I'm a closet so costumer uh, oh okay yeah, yeah so you'd like all that and it would you know adds a lot to it but I'm more, I'm really interested in this judgment thing like you say because I, I had no idea that was the case that's yeah that's how, but that, is that is that in order to engender a very very strong ability to spot things I don't know how to describe it I think it's to stop you relying on it uh, for one thing it is the best way to train your eye because you 
you learn to just be totally sure of your own judgment which is the best thing that you can do but also I think they just felt like it becomes then too sort of tawdry and like a crutch but also not artistic somehow you know like sort of too mechanical or not imaginative but creative you know Mm -hmm. that was one of the things we were talking about briefly in the car on the way on the way down here um there's the mechanical aspect of of getting accurate Mm. measurements but if you're doing a likeness and the particular subject has a little bit of a a smirk or just the way they have an eyebrow for a particular expression that helps identify that person you know what what makes chris pratt recognizable from chris pine or Mm. you know what how do you define harrison ford versus morgan freeman or you know what what makes them them Mm. it's it's beyond mechanical measurements it's a really fine line i always think between because like when you're doing likeness you do have to measure loads that is a given Mm. you know when i do the waxworks it's all like you'll have a front on picture that you're measuring from but you also have to be confident of your judgment because you can't measure depths you know you can have something that looks great from the front but if the eyes are too far forward or too far back or it doesn't look right in three-quarter angle, then it's not going to look right in the round. And that's an interesting uh, <laughs> junction in your brain because I also remember like mm. measuring things. You'd be like, the measurements are correct, but it is not looking yeah. right. And there's that, that gap. Is that, well, that's what I was thinking. If it looks wrong, it is wrong. Yeah. Like, you have to be confident enough to say, I'm going to override what the measurements are telling me and go with what looks right. And then you often find that actually then further down... You remeasure it, and it is the right measurements, but somehow, through some weird thing, you've changed it from the measurements being allegedly right, and then it is. It, it still works measurement-wise once sorcery. you changed it. Yeah, it's sorcery. <laughs> it is. These are things that go through my mind all the time on my yeah. own. Just like, oh, that's weird. Well, why? <laughs> How is that measuring right now? I don't understand it, but yeah. Amazing. I see you've got a head open there. So you, yeah. you work in water-based clay. Yeah. So, I mean, this country is quite good for that, isn't it? The whole Stoke and <laughs> Staffordshire, we have a lot of, of yeah. pottery clay. That whole, I guess that's where most of it comes from. Like and you clay. have humidity. And we have humidity. Yeah, I was thinking about this with clay. Yeah, where I work, uh, oh, at my, yeah. my home, uh, our ambient humidity is uh, about 20%. Right. I don't know what that means. I don't it's, either. It's very, it's very low. <laughs> right. Does that mean it just dries out really quick? Things dry out. Yeah. Quickly. So this is why I that's think wet like clay. I think that's why wet clay is big in the mm. states because yeah, of that. Yeah, because it has because it has glycerin in it. So yeah. it doesn't dry. And out a lot of people here get excited because all they get wet clay is kind of yeah, kind of don't need it because it's damp mostly. <laughs> so <laughs> it won't be. And there's no AC here really. So it's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's very cool. And I see you recycling your clay, which I think is a good thing for all colleges to kind of. Yeah. You know, that's quite an impressive thing to do. And I don't know that that a lot of people are teaching you how to recycle your, your no clay. i mean i think they're like pottery schools they do you know the pugs yeah. and all that kind of stuff yeah. are doing it but it's but not, not something but but ceramics is a different discipline than oh it is sculpture. but i mean they have the facilities <coughs> to do it but you might have 50 people sculpting a makeup college and i don't know if they recycle their clothes. I mean, you do to a degree but yeah. it's not well prosthet- prosthetic sculpture is largely oil-based waxed stuff. and oil-based yeah. clay instead of water because just because of the thinness of the edges it, do you recycle that generally because like you can yes you can you? because it yeah. melts so yeah. you can you can pour it through a sieve and then yeah and i've got i've got ice. i've got tubs of of monster clay that i've been sculpting out of the same bin for mm. years yeah yeah you know every now and then you have to you know pick out a chunk of ultra cal or plaster out of it mm-hmm 
or silicone. And yeah, yeah, mine has a lot of dog hairs in it. <laughs> 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 I do have to, from time to time, just be like, right, enough, I'm going to get some new stuff. Amazing. So what you've got there is you've got a, a head sculpt and there's a, that frame, the armature that's based on. So you can just reuse that. Yeah, I just reuse all, all my armatures and clay. Um, it's quite yeah. a sturdy armature too. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I think armature building is very important. That's one of the things I really liked about your course was like it's you're not skimming over things like a solid armature. It's not just a, a bit of tape over some foil or something. It's like no, this needs yeah. to be strong enough to withstand. Mm-hmm. Once it's got like 15 kilos or 20 kilos of clay in it, you might be putting it around and it needs to withstand all that. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Well, I remember saying to you that when you you were still fleshing out, just putting clay in and around the armature, you really hadn't. You'd started doing some some angle measurements uh, at the neck and, and chin, looking for, but it's still narrowed out. So you were going, getting the profile before you started fleshing out the yeah. width. And before you, there was any even semblance of a, of a human head taking shape yet, it looked like you already had about 25 pounds of clay. Yeah, you want to get all your clay on really quick. And mm. then, yeah. They start bullying it around because it's there to be. Yeah, I, I'm always really impatient. I want to get all the clay on and then, and then look at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, then it's there. So, is there any particular kind of thing you like to sculpt? Or do you just like to get the person? Is it? Is it just a? I mean, there must be. There is something I think that happens when you sculpt something. You kind of inter- interact. It sounds a bit airy fairy, but you know what I mean. You sort of you, you're seeing it as a person. So you're trying to bring that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's a fascinating. You want to get process. a sense of the personality, not just the physicality of it. Mm. Yeah, I definitely you know enjoy because I'm sculpting portraits all the time you know like i'll have a list and i'm just working my way through it um and some of them Ooh, that's especially nice now <laughs> as i get older i'm like i don't even know who this is <laughs> like if it's a pop star or something and i definitely enjoy the ones when i know i know them yeah better because like you say then you're like pulling out the personality and getting into it or if it's someone that i like it's quite difficult when it's someone that you actually really dislike or you think that they're probably quite a horrible yeah, yeah, person yeah. <laughs> But this is the thing, because, yeah, and then there's that interaction with them as if mm. it's a, not, not that you think that they're a person, but I mean, there's a, that, that there is that interaction with their image. That's why I think sculpture is so important, because it's, it affects, you, you, you it, it can evoke something in you. Yeah. Like at the prosthetics event, I can't who was it that did the, the, um, the, the figure of... The Rembrandt? The Rembrandt figure. Yeah, that was one of the, the last year's MA graduates from Falmouth. Can you remember who that was? Um, She's the one that was organizing the... Um, yeah, Magda. Magda, uh, she, that's yeah, it. Yeah, she's. And, uh, she's uh, sorry, Magda. I think she's uh, Polish. Right, and she yeah, she'd done this full size figure of Rembrandt painting, wow. like doing, doing a self portrait, so yeah, in silicone yeah. with yeah. the eyes and everything. Oh, wow. So the figure is in a in a pose. There's an easel with a picture of Rembrandt and a mirror, and oh, cool. yeah, it's, and it's beautiful. But, wow. but 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 it reminded it took me back to when I was a kid when I was twelve and went to see Madame Tussauds <laughs> and uh, seeing the things that you know are wax figures but if there's something from history or like the the I don't know if they still have the, the Chamber of Horrors where they had like you know Christie and the, all these kind of creepy figures you there was something that sort of happened as if as if a little bit as if they were really there mm. and especially as a child and I remember being quite and I I think that was one of the formative experiences that wanted me to work in arts and create physical things that look like people because yeah. it's, it's a weird thing when that happens. Yes, I have to thank you, Stuart. You're bringing back some traumatic experiences of my first visit <laughs> to Madame Tussauds Museum when I was a kid in the Hall of, Hall of Horrors that scared the shit out of me. Thank you very much. Sorry about that. 
I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. I loved monetary swords when I was a kid. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fascinated by the process of creating those wax likenesses. Mm. And just, just the, I mean, the, the literal casting process of yeah. Are you can doing you talk that? about that, or is that? A, 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 yeah, I just I only do the sculpting, so I don't really. You just hand that over to them. I just hand it over to the mold maker, and then the guy that I work with, he like project manages all the other processes involved because okay. there are a lot of people involved in a finished figure. Sure. You know, you've got the mold maker, hair inserters, painters, eyeball makers, teeth makers, costume life casting or figure sculpting whatever yeah um yeah and there's, there's so many processes and, and yeah posing it correctly and, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing yeah to undertake i i just i just sculpt the heads oh sometimes i've sculpted whole figure like i have done quite a few life-size figures in here that's fun what gives you the most chat personal challenge uh, hands faces um well with the wax figures they always ha- have life cast hands and the feet are just like little flippers that go inside shoes. <laughs> when I'm exactly sculpting, what I know, <laughs> when I'm doing my own stuff, yeah, hands are always a bit of a challenge. And uh, I think the the main difficult thing is just getting it to work from every angle because it's especially when you're working from like a model because they they do move. It's inevitable. So if you're working from photos you have to understand the structure of what you're sculpting to work out what's moved in different photos. I always think it's a bit like a sort of nerdy puzzle sculpting, or sculpting generally, because you're always just trying to make it work, and all you're thinking all the time is, what's wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong? So it's quite hard to ever feel really happy with anything, because all you can really see is what's wrong all the time. Yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of people will see creative things on places like Instagram, and they get like a very edited highlights mm. of things, and no one's really, which is precisely why I like doing this kind of podcast, is no one's really dwelling on the difficulty involved in getting to Yeah, you're just seeing point. the finished result yeah. That, yeah. that may have been many failed attempts in between before they finally get it to where it is, and you know, it can be daunting for people that are having, you know, as artists, you know, we all doubt our abilities and, and think our work sucks. And you see these other magnificent things on, on oh, you totally. and think, oh, my God, I'm never going to, why do I point. even try? Like you said, you're, you, you're looking for things that you know are wrong, what's wrong, what's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's precisely why you get better. But it also means your vision is filled with the things you've done wrong. Yeah. And you kind of don't really, <laughs> do you know what I mean? As soon as you've solved one problem, you replace it with the next one. So you always feel like, oh, I'm always, you know, not right, but. She was actually a really challenging one, this one, because she died in the 90s. No. Um, so that just means that there's way less photos, good quality photos, than someone that's like a contemporary person. Yeah. And there's lots of things like dodgy 90s Photoshop on some of the pictures. And right. There's, there's not going to be any digital, nice, juicy, digital paparazzi pictures of her out and about from the side angles and that. They're all just kind of like front on photo shoots. So it's a tricky one, that one. Do you think when you've got things like these, like these, all these pictures here are just, they're all, all from very similar angles, but there's some different ones and obviously different poses and different things. Mm. That Because you have the variety of, of looks, like there's a profile there where she's not smiling and then, then mm. you know, the head is tilted back, that kind of informs you as to what the, the crucial, unique things are in a way where as if you had like a photo session like of, of one person in one sitting, that's just them 
that do you know what I mean? We see them a year later at a slight different view. It kind of fleshes out. Oh, their lip kind of does that. And yeah, you suggest that in the. That is true, like because often as well you have people at different ages, and you're like, oh, when they're young, they've sort of got the beginnings of that wrinkle or crease there, and then when they're older, they're oh yeah, it definitely became that. Mm. So if you're sculpting them younger, you can kind of know to put in the beginnings of those forms before they've turned into a great big crease wow. <laughs> down their face. But um, yeah, I I mean. You know, when you're doing an expression, I just get as many pictures as I can of, as close as possible to the expression. But like you say, sometimes, you know, with a smiling one, you'd often only have a profile of them not smiling. And you have to kind of guess what that would be doing sure. um, from the side. But there's other information, like all the photos have something that's useful in it. So, you know, ones from the side, oh, you can really see where the ear is, you know, how far back the ear is on the head. And because mm. ear placement is one of those things that's really hard to gauge. If you haven't got any profile pictures, it's really <laughs> kind of impossible because it, that affects all your depths as well. Yes. Because if you put the ear too far forwards, you end up with everything too far forwards. And if it's too far back, then you have these weird sort of like windswept face aerodynamic face so yeah. <laughs> quite often you just have to slice the ear off and just be brutal and move it you know yeah it's quite a brutal move mm. <laughs> that would do that you just carve into things but you, you have to divorce yourself yeah. it's so easy though <laughs> to just clay. be like i can make it work i can make it work i can't be bothered like i'm not gonna, like you just have to always be really strict with yourself and be like if it's not working just move it because you'll never be pleased with it if you know really a nagging thing in the back of your mind that something's wrong yeah it hurts it, though when it's beautifully sculpted yeah. in the wrong place and, <laughs> and that means that the armature has got to be right beforehand i've seen had students that are sculpting on i had the, that has has ears on it and because they're putting clay on something that already has ears they're forced to work around it and it yeah, it, it's yeah. restrictive because they can't put their ears anywhere else, right? oh, and then it, yeah. it changes the shape of the head. Yeah, and it's tricky because there's two of them, you know, and they can one can be wrong, and so yeah. you think you correct it, and now that one looks wrong. <laughs> so it's just, you know, yeah. uh, whittle, whittle it away to nothing. Yeah, could be <laughs> do you ever, do you still use like cocktail sticks? We we at college they just use cocktail oh, sticks. Oh, I was to just put mark. screw in the tragus. Gotcha. But that's all I, everything else I just sort of draw it on screw in the tragus that'd be a great name for a band <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh wow yeah that's that's a weird thing and, and, and the other thing like the, how far forward the ears are because I know when we do live casts we'll photograph people from above and from the side because obviously you might get the eyes are level but one weirdly oh, is yeah. and you've got to know is it, is it my live cast that's off have I distorted it or have they just got a freakishly off because everyone's a little bit off but you want to know by yeah. how much and I guess it's easy to kind of, you know, play on that too much. How long do you have to sculpt? Do you set yourself a time limit or is this time limit applied um, set to you? Well, uh, I mean, when we were at London Two Swords, it was always five weeks for a head. So I always allow that. But now that I'm just working on my own, they generally take about three weeks, I'd say. Right, right. Sometimes less, but it's because... It's such a different setup now because I'm just on my own sculpting all day, every day, and I've got any meetings. Or, You've been doing it long enough. And I've been doing you. it for like 20 years, so it's, or maybe not quite that long, <laughs> quite a long time. <laughs> time goes by quick. Though. It it's does, scary. it does. But yeah, you get quicker, definitely. Yeah. But they all have their own challenges. We also have, have your models in some wonderful poses too, just... Yeah, so like, alongside my waxwork stuff, I, 
I do like to just have what I think of as just like my hobby sculpting. As well, well, I love this series up up along the top. Yeah. I also love that. The hairstyles are. Oh, so do you come up with those gestures? Because I would be useless at knowing how to make. I don't know. I look at those and I go, they 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 look like gestures designed to produce very interesting sculpts. They're dramatic, but they're natural. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Is that a clumsy way of saying it? Do you do you do you, do you like to render something that? It, oh, I can't even speak. But do you know what I mean? Is it a case of I, like I trying to mean. make the anatomy? Trying to find a pose, you're trying to show off yeah. an arm. But if I put an arm here, it looks more interesting than here. Or I generally just kind of like look at art books and stuff and think about what poses I like and what would probably work well in the round. Like sometimes I'll look at an illustration or something. Um, I love kind of early 1900s illustrations. I'll get a model in and work with them and you know if you're working with a good model they'll they'll suggest things and you just come up with something together kind of thing yeah i see these ones are painted as well so is that something you like to do because i was i always hated they're the idea of painting of things testers, yeah they're just jesmonite with um bits of pigment in well why yeah i was just sort of messing about because they're just bits out of a mold um you can kind of mix up different mixes you know add a little bit of one pigment or another pigment and sort of dab it in so that you get like a mottled effect it's quite cool nice and do you have a favorite mold material in. that you like to work with uh i i just use jasmine because because i'm in this shared building i don't like to do anything too smelly um yeah jasmine likes that uh, acrylic mm-hmm. yeah it's like uh, it's a, fantastic it's really good yeah it's like acrylic base it's sort of cross between plaster and resin but yeah i like I it's kind of like our, for, our photon exactly yeah very similar an acrylic one, I think, in Scandinavia, similar kind of thing. But like you say, you can make pretty good things with it. It doesn't stink that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gypsum with some kind of resin in it. Yeah, it's like two parts. So it's plaster. Well, it's this, that, actually. There's, there's the powder oh, and yeah. the liquid. Yeah, and just like four You times. just mix it up. And, yeah. and you can lay it up with uh, glass matting as well. So yep. it's really good for and mold jackets and, yeah. Yeah. All sorts. Amazing. Quite prolific. I mean, just the amount of things. That ever, are these a little bronzes or are they painted bronze colour, these figures? Uh, oh, they're just bronze resin um, little things. They're all just things I do in between doing the waxworks just oh, to have a bit of variety. <laughs> I think that's interesting, though, that you just keep... I mean, that is one of the things about sculpting, I think, like a muscle. You've got to keep working it. And mm. it seems like you, you know, that's exactly what you do and I think that's a very important thing to take note when you want to pursue something it's kind of like you really need to want to do it yeah if you want to do it to you've got to be obsessed with it well I'm, you're inspiring me to get yeah. home and, and it feels and shameful start, to dabble yeah, in sculpture doesn't it it feels like <laughs> get out stop yeah. if you're not going to do it 10 hours a day you shouldn't even stop but it's like it's quite amazing to see you know it, 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 it's refreshing actually yeah. the thing I'm is when you're working though you don't have any time do you you know no. if you're doing film work you're doing 12 hours a day and you're driving loads you just well, you don't have any time to do no, anything else but this so. is the thing this is the thing I, I, I can do what I want to do competently for my job but I know it belongs to something bigger that mm. I should really do it's almost like do you know what I mean it feels like a, a dereliction of duty to sort of <laughs> do something you know for films when you know that belongs to something that could be well see if you like took this. the train more often you could you could get better at zbrush maybe because maybe you're not you're not driving <laughs> and and yelling at stupid drivers yeah it's, it's uh, you could sit on on the train and work on zbrush and and yell at the software i'll do that instead but yeah no there's something about that 
amount of working where you like you say you get a familiarity to it and you get that kind of stuff out of the way and then you're it's a well old machine that's kind of humming all the time and then you can really you know jump on because you're going to do the same kinds of things like make an armchair pack it in get the measurements in it always becomes like a kind of a routine yeah. so you can get to the, the sculpture part which is the judgment mm. decision making and one thing I've noticed and you, you mentioned it with the ears as well is that there can be a reluctance to want to do it mm. in a weird kind of way oh like yeah you find that's yourself sculpting always and like, fighting that yeah which is a horrible thing, and I don't. Well, I guess it's because you've invested time in something like the beautifully sculpted but incorrectly positioned ear. It's like no, mm. and, and you might be able to slice it and move it, but it might, you know, get damaged. <laughs> away. So you should just be quite happy to just like well, whatever, and just slap it around and. Yeah, I don't want to move it. it. The helix is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. You just have to be strict with yourself. I always think that you just got to focus on the structure early on and not get sucked into those juicy details till you know that it's going to be sitting on solid ground or you'll regret it because you'll have to move it. Have you ever tried doing one of your puppies? No, I can't do animals. <laughs> they don't keep storing up, I shouldn't think. <laughs> Just not able to do animals. I once, uh, on Game of Thrones, someone gave me a dire wolf to do and I started doing They were like, no, go back and do a person. <laughs> it's absolutely rubbish. <laughs> Well, that's interesting to hear because it's that kind of thing where if people see the work, it's like you might be good at something, but it's something you like doing and then you don't enjoy something mm. else. And, and that's all right. You know, you could be good at like I, the idea of sculpting hair is like something I've already had to do. But mm. obviously with beards and hair, and the, like that, that's quite an important thing. Oh, yeah. Hey, Can we hair. talk about hair? Oh, hey, Help hair. me with hair, Amelia. <laughs> How do you sculpt hair? It's well, not something you can... I, I don't do it very often because with the waxworks, of course, they're always... You've of got course, to take the yeah. hair off. They're moulded bold, so I just sketch it in. You know, it's only to help with the lightness, but also to help with all the bits around the edges because... Well, I see you've got a few busts over here with some extensive facial hair. Yeah. And some, I mean, you know, I, I do, 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 do it. You can't only sculpt bold people. Is, are there any... any <laughs> Any tips you can offer to? Because I've had I had students uh, at both Falmouth and and Bolton say, "What about sculpting hair?" I know there are some brushes that you can brush packages you can get that work in ZBrush, but you know that doesn't work with clay. I think what I'd say is try and just look at it. <coughs> if you're sculpting a likeness of someone, just try and look at it in exactly the same detached way that you're looking at the shapes on the face and just look at the, the masses and just think about the masses first of all before you even think about the direction of the strands of hair or anything like that and try to remember that it's growing out of the skin. Like You don't want like a hard edge where it's coming out of your face. Even though, to start off with, you want to know where that hairline is because it's going to help you to know how much uh, structure there is around the edges of the face um, but once you've got that solid then make sure it's blending into the the main body of the hair but I don't have any magic answers I, I, I find hair really difficult <laughs> I think what you were saying about hair is the same thing as we were saying about the, the surface of the skin it's like you see you see the strands of hair mm. but as you say you've got to sort of step back you see it as a as a, as as a, a shape whole, as try and simplify it into a shape individual hairs which weirdly ZBrush would do quite well because it sees it as a, like if you had scanned somebody and you reduce that topology oh. it would be although hair doesn't show up very well in scans I know but you, you sort of see shapes as a simple thing mm -hmm. so in a weird kind of way that could help you to find the, 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 the edge of that paper, do you know what I mean? To, to pick at it, to be able to yeah. get a hold of it, maybe. But 
Mm. Yeah, like you say, you just got to try, do it wrong. <laughs> yeah, it'll <laughs> analyze why it's wrong and try again. <laughs> yeah, it'll either look right or it won't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least it's not carving into marble. I mean, I can't really imagine how. Yeah. Oops. Oh, no. How how you even begin to do that? Yeah. yeah. It's quite what do you, how do you how do you deal with a mistake in marble? But then I guess you believe it can be done because you've seen it. You see these cultures and you go, well, someone can do it. Mm. (laughs) I always think that that is like, they did it so well, you know, 500 years ago. Like, maybe just leave it. (laughs) You're never going to get that good. (laughs) That's the point. They they apprenticed for something like 25, 30 years before they actually... Yeah, I think Benini actually... Trusted with something of their own. Dad was a marble carver. I think he was doing it since he was a little kid. Fair play. So, get a bit of a head start. Yeah. I wonder, if, is there a museum of like crap Renaissance sculptures of people that, that couldn't do it very well? So they can, do you know what I mean? That would be really good like, to like, see. Like yeah. things that I would try and go, no, I'm going to tear that up. And someone says, no, 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 no. In, and in 400 years, 500 years from now, it'll be interesting to see how you screwed yeah. it up. Here's a room of Michelangelo fuck ups. Yeah. <laughs> so do you do a lot of, you know, life scans of people now and starting to, it's, instead it's becoming of a more of a thing. Or? Yes. Oh. Yeah. And then you sculpt onto that to do the prosthetics. Yes. Well, there's, there's two different ways. Cause we did one, we did a makeup together. Cause I, I, I was, uh, we wrote an article about it because it was the first time I'd done it. We had a 10 day window to sculpt this, this makeup. So yeah, I had a scan done and then sent the data to Todd to clean up because the scan isn't perfect because mm. it's optically you know tracking the image so there's always but little it had bits, a lot of holes and oh, holes where right, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't get the data and then you fill that in um and then yeah so the the idea of the scan data is you could then reprodu- you could either 3d print the cores or you could treat them slightly or modify them to make the pieces tight so if you're making a mask for example you can make the head slightly smaller oh. so that when the mask goes on it's a tight fit it's not baggy and loose oh cool uh, and things like that but what i'm interested in is how like if you're scanning somebody, like you could have an actor and you could scan them and you can see that it's them, but often they don't look like them because they're calling still like mm. a life cast. It's that mm. kind of Victorian portrait kind of stoic thing. But then when mm. you sculpt somebody, you, you're capturing them, you're putting something in mm. them in it. Yeah. And I, I have this kind of tussle in my head between, you know, the, the scanning something for the, for the sort of perfunctory act of, of, of acquiring their likeness in the most efficient, realistic way. And whether that's okay, so we don't need to sculpt now. It's like, but no, because it doesn't look right, and it's not the same as sculpting. It's there's mm. something about the, the 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 creating of something from nothing that's the thing. <laughs> and yeah. if you take that, it's kind of like like photographs do a good job totally. of rendering people. But if you can paint somebody, mm. that's an incredible thing. And uh, th- th- there's something as a human being, there's something really valuable in being able to do it. Right. Yeah, um, because you observe because you're making from something from scratch. You've really got to. I think the more a human being has had to do with it, the more f- human feeling it's going to have in it. Yes, compared to just a machine or a you know life caster. Yes, because it's purely just data. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't mean anything, and it, it needs that human twist. To, That's to do one of the things I like about a really well done caricature, because not only does it capture the likeness of of an individual, but it gets an aspect of of personality that may not be coming through in in the likeness yeah especially if they're well-known personalities because they're they're not just doing one face do you know what i mean if you like so if you like jim carrey for example you know he does lots of different things and he can make you feel a certain way by his expressions so you could sculpt different portraits of the same person and it would be different kind of thing expressions are an interesting thing to do because what those um 
the uh, in the Taranty window they used to have under this door that the Messerschmitt oh, sculptures of the, yeah. the, the guy pulling yeah pulling yeah. extreme faces and stuff <laughs> and that that's a you know uh, a good exercise to do I suppose I mean, you enjoy doing yeah I mean I do a lot of smiles obviously um, and I, smiles are interesting because uh, the difference between a genuine smile and a kind of you know someone's taken too long to take the photos of half dropped Richter's grimacing <laughs> smile is is really subtle sometimes and trying to actually infuse your smile with genuine warmth is just a million little things that you're just trying to pick out of the photos that you like of the smile yeah and that's the magic aspect and beyond the mechanical yeah exactly like you can't I don't think you could really do a good scan of someone smiling. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, I'm not well, you could, that. but there's still something about it that's just, it feels like a capture of something rather than a rendering of something. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's something mm-hmm. that, that you add to it. You're not just a facilitator, like, oh, if somebody else scanned it, we get the same thing. It's, it's kind yeah. of like portrait photography. A good photographer will, it's not just about, it, it's, it's working with the subject to create mm-hmm. something that you want and... Um, there was that interesting I saw a video on YouTube and it was a guy there was a guy that they had and they told different photographers a different story about this person uh, one person said oh he was a, a convicted murderer or something and he'd been released and he's kind of rehabilitated somebody else was told that he'd saved somebody's life someone else was told that he was a surgeon someone else was told that he was a swindler and so they all had a different version of events and they all took their portraits based on what they knew and then they had all the mm-hmm. portraits lined up and they brought the guy in and they told all of them all of that was bullshit um, but it's interesting <laughs> how what you thought you that's knew about um, so that was an interesting thing. and I think that's definitely the case with sculpture it's like you, you want to be familiar enough with the act of sculpting that that the business of that doesn't get in the way of your decision making mm. which is where i'm at with zbrush because i get distracted by the the mechanism of it that mm. it's, it's clunky well, yeah um one of the students uh, at, at falmouth uh, is unable to recognize faces oh yeah i've heard about that Face and she's working on a project and she, she's, she's wonderful she makes these absolutely gorgeous um infant sculptures mm. um that she she's they're magnificent anyway she's she's in the in the ma program and she's got a the project she's working on right now is a likeness of morgan freeman mm. as a lion and the likeness is spot on yeah it's oh, really wow. good and i and i think her inability to recognize faces removes any preconceptions she has so that she is going just on what she sees, not right, yeah. not on anything else, and it has to help. I'm, I'm terrible at likenesses. I'd love to get good at likenesses, but that's she, really interesting. She has completely nailed Morgan Freeman. Because I think it's such an easy trap to fall into to sculpting what <clears throat> you expect something to look like, rather than actually looking and observing and being really honest about what it does look like. That's something you just got to learn through just mm. trying to be is it subjective or objective i always get confused objective is when you see it without influence kind yeah of thing that but, but you <laughs> like you were saying like if you had to do a portrait of somebody that you didn't like or you'd heard something mm. you know then it's like that's an like a, a, a figure of history for example you know not somebody you know like, but mm-hmm. you might have to do i don't know Mussolini or something and you might go oh, i'm not keen on his politics so but but you want to do a good job of of sculpting and it's it's, it's that thing of like your emotional for yeah. want of that word attachment to it can influence things why well, i think doing portraits of loved ones is quite hard in a way because oh, the, yeah. the idea of doing something you know somebody you know very well 
either because you're forced to look at it very sort of systematically and what if they don't know what you've done and you know yeah. what I mean? it's quite a, a loaded thing to do yeah I've sculpted a few people that are just like I hate it and it's really it's really like oh no I, I just don't do people that I mean I've sculpted Ben my husband because he loves it <laughs> it's totally not kind of vain or worried about it either but um, I remember when I was first learning I sculpted a friend and I was like ta-da and she was like oh, I could tell she just absolutely hated it is it that changing really room's face yeah. like, <laughs> it's like oh no I've <laughs> never smile ever sculpted someone to... I know mm. yeah mm. oh gosh yeah that's awkward <laughs> but yeah I get people write to me all the time like oh you know I've had a family member that I lost could you sculpt them and it's like I just I, I don't I can't anyway because I'm busy with my paid work but I just wouldn't want to do that sort of work because it's so personal what you feel like a person should look like it, it would be so yeah, hard to ever catch yeah exactly yeah. And that when you know them so well and to get a complete stranger to sculpt a likeness from like a couple of pictures it's it's never going to live up to what you'd want it to look like so I don't I stay clear of that sort of work yeah I think that's that's the beauty of like the sculpting is, is what you bring to it you know it's, like, mm. it, it's, it's very hard because like you say is that how do people feel about that it's like oh where does that come from? I often think about that with sculpts, like, where does it come from? I mean, that, when, that's the difference between that mechanical thing of, like, measuring this. Okay, that's this long. I mm. put that in here and mark it. I can do that whether I feel like it or not. But there are certain things that come from a different part of your brain. Mm. It's like, I don't know, like, the example I've used in the past is, like, you can wash up no matter how you feel. But if you had to write, I don't know, a, 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 for, for a friend's funeral, if you had to write something for them, you'd have to be in the right frame of mind to say the right things. So it's pulling on a different thing. And sculpture is a bit a mixture of the two mm. it's like isn't it it's like, there's the mechanical aspect of measuring and plotting and all that and then there's this we said before like decision making side of things mm. and I don't know where that comes from and I'm worried it'll abandon me <laughs> I think just so much of it is, is practice and you have to do it a billion times to to get better at it and you can't expect to sculpt one portrait and be like that's it I've nailed portrait sculpting I'm going to be just can sculpt any portrait now because you're learning all the time every single time you sculpt something like oh I've never noticed that before or mm. you know oh I'll bear that in mind for the next one sort of thing do you find uh, like you teach people here uh, I, ha I did wa I did once do a class here but it's it's really the wrong, wrong shape this studio because it's long and thin right um, I can't really get many people around a model so it's not really possible but it's something you know I might do in the future but at the moment I'm just focusing on these online courses uh, the thing about teaching people that I found and I think this is useful for people who are interested in learning how to sculpt is that I believe and I may be wrong in this but I believe generally speaking there is an impulsive I want it now thing more than there was oh. and more people uh, find it I say more people find it harder that's not very good English but you know it feels like there's a resistance to subject yourself to the difficulty necessary to get better at a lot of things right because I think there's so many things that you can get immediate gratification from and I wish to rally against that and I wish to encourage yeah, no, other people to push back something against that, that granted there are times when you need to be able to, to sculpt quickly yes. to, to meet deadlines but I don't think in general, sculpture is something that should be approached 
as as a as a sprint. It's it's a marathon. Yeah. It's so weird though, isn't it? Because I I was listening to your talk you did on this with Neil Gorton, and he said a lot of interesting stuff about um, how people see these videos on YouTube and it just all looks really easy and they're really like, you know, disappointed when things don't happen really easily and it's it's I think it's difficult for our generation to know what it's like to grow up with all that information because it was really, really hard to find out about this stuff when we were growing up. You know, like I I my dad's a teacher, my mum's social worker, nothing to do with art. Like I wanted to do art so much and it was so hard won this information like to find out how you know I wanted to work on movies I wanted to learn to sculpt but to find stuff out was really hard there's no books in the library on it there's no like there's no YouTube or anything no no one's coming to you with the information you had to go and really dig out and find it and it looked impossibly hard like you just couldn't even imagine how you could ever do any of this stuff yeah but now it's like the opposite everyone's sharing what they do it looks really easy, but they don't see the 20, 30 years before that of like having to find out how to do it and practicing. And it's it, it's really, really hard to get good at anything and mm. requires an enormous amount of effort. A great many students today, kids today, students, um, want instant gratification. You know, they, they feel well, an, a certain entitlement. But the thing is, they do find that instant gratification in so many things nowadays, which you didn't have access to when yeah. we were kids. And that's why. So it's not really their fault. It's more a point of mm. trying to bring people's attention to push True. back against that urge to find that everywhere because you're not supposed to. Things mm. aren't supposed to be easy, I don't no, think. Because you don't well, value any of that. Well, if it was easy, anybody could do it and there wouldn't be anything special about doing it. Yes, it's like the economy. Mm. You know I mean, like, you know, if, there's, if, the, if you flood the economy with lots of money and then money has no value so everything goes up exactly you know I mean? yeah. so and you can't really understand that because it's quite a complicated process but it but it, that doesn't negate the fact that they still want it now they feel that they've paid for the course they should mm. just have give me the skill yeah why, why should I have, yeah. why should i have to work for it i've paid for it you're the tutor give give me that give, I know, me, give I, me what i've paid for yeah well, that's you can't doesn't put work that information way. into someone's brain. You, you've still got to do the learning. I always think the phrase self-taught is kind of interesting because it's like really everyone is self-taught. No one else can do the learning for you. You have to do the learning yourself. Like yeah. you, you can show someone something. You can you know, take the horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You can't give someone ability mm-hmm. and you can't do something the first time you do it. You have to just have that repetition and that self-discipline and obsession really to get good at anything yeah you've got to love it enough i think to be prepared to go through that difficulty yeah that's the thing but there is always difficulty and i think the curse is that people have been sold a lie that there's a way that you can do it without the difficulty there will be pain Mm. involved in everything in anything worth doing accept it it's this whole tricks and tips thing it's like there aren't really any tricks and tips. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> just be really good at sculpting. Just, that's, just that's my tip. really hard. <laughs> yeah. But what I would say is anyone can get better at sculpting, but it just takes time, practice, and, you know... More practice. Read all the books, watch all the videos, listen to anyone that you work that you like, go and do short courses, you know. You're not going to get everything from a college course, you know, everyone I know has done a bit here, a bit there, gathered, you know, you don't get all your learning from one place. You get it from making yourself be around people that are better than you, 
and you know learning from people that you admire I've learned just as much working as I ever did in any college course or anything because you know just watching other people that are better than you is the best way of learning isn't mm-hmm. it that's my rant oh my god that was fun that was so cool <laughs> we just came out a little bit starstruck and dazzled it was amazing we had a really really nice chat Amelia Rowcroft is everything we hoped she would be and then some so yeah, so uh, in the description, uh, there'll be some links to her online workshops, which are absolutely worth every penny. They're amazing, so you must check those out. Um, yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I'm a bit, a bit, uh, a bit overwhelmed with it all. It's fantastic. Yeah, no, and, and the, the village where she lives and the scenery around it, I'm, I'm, I'm gawking and everything. White cliffs and water. It's, it's lovely. Lewis and Sussex, quite taken with it, aren't you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> narrow streets you well you can see from some of the images we'll, we'll post on this but so well guys thank you very much for listening uh, we appreciate your ears and your time and as as ever if you wish to get in touch with us you can email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com or leave us a voice message on the website battleswithbitsofrubber.com and we'll see you soon bye you can get in touch through our facebook page or email us at stuartandtodd at gmail.com. Check the show notes for more information. If you enjoyed this episode, tell someone else and help us grow by sharing it on social media. Thanks for listening. Screw in the trays. That'd be a great name for a band. <laughs>